Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hornets fans had a completely different view of what their franchise would look like on Monday. I think that included, well, for some, Jalen Duran. I think that included, for many, getting rid of a big contract. I think that included, for many, including myself, potentially having another big-name veteran out of this team on draft night. So I think draft night, when you kind of pair it with this, there were so many expectations of some sort of transformation and leap that didn't happen on draft night, and the roster could certainly still shape-shift in the next few months. And then you pair that with the next day going out and hiring the guy you fired before you hired the guy you just fired. I think I have that right. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't have a lot of Hornets fans feeling very good about the franchise. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. That was Nick Carboni, WCNC Sports Director, on the show yesterday. You guys can find the full audio of that interview as well as our full hours. Everything else, WFNZ.com. Catch the Nick Wilson Show podcast everywhere. You get podcasts. Don't forget to rate and subscribe favorably, please. Uh, Charminger Chodge coming up in 40 minutes. Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer coming up in 20 minutes. But I thought what Nick had to say yesterday about the Steve Clifford hire, and more importantly, because that's that's just the biggest thing they did, the NBA draft and how they attacked it was a little befuddling. Um, Really just the way from really the end of the season until now has been befuddling. And even with things like this Miles Bridges conversation is befuddling. The Hornets are on the precipice. I think the reason why I got so pissed off at Michael Jordan yesterday and just screaming at Michael Jordan is for the first time in a really long time, the Hornets are onto something. And they're not just onto something that could be, well, maybe you make the playoffs this year and then, you know, three years from now you make the playoffs and then in five years, Lamelo's gone. No, there's. you look at the youth of this team, you look at the upside of the guys on this team, the style of play, you look at their skills, you look at how they're raw, and you can really broadcast, and you can really forecast, rather, uh, a really good run, maybe the best run of basketball the Hornets have had for five to ten years. And, and by the way, I'm not just saying, that's how long they can do this. If LaMelo stays here for another five or ten years, and I do think he is going to be, given the way contracts work, I think it's more likely that he stays longer than five years. Like a lot, I think I think it's a certainty. He'll be here for at least five more years. But I'm greedy. I don't just want five years, five more years. I don't want just two contracts with LaMelo. No, no, no. A player like this, I want to keep as long as you can. Because a player like that long-term can can change an organization, right? He can change the whether it's a dysfunctional organization, whether in the locker room there's been a lot of turnover. There haven't been a lot of gravitational forces that stay long-term in the Hornets' locker room. There was Kemba Walker who played for, what, eight, nine years, and then there were a bunch of guys, well, this guy was here for three years, and then this guy was here for two years, and this guy was here for four years. Lamelo represents real change and that to me is why i just get so pissed like the panthers guys like i'll be i'll be i'm more annoyed if the panthers don't trade for a quarterback before training camp 
because they're just blatantly not they're, they're blatantly just not trying enough to win in my opinion if there's not another quarterback and that is unacceptable in the NFL to me especially considering how cheap either Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield's going to be but it infuriates me to see how the last two months have gone for the Hornets because they're on the precipice of something potentially truly special and guys fought Eight years, nine years, ten years of LaMelo with six, seven, eight playoff appearances because that's where we're going. That's where we should be going. The Hornets should make a seven-game playoff series next year. Two years from now, we should be talking about winning a playoff series. Three years from now, we should be talking about pushing, knocking down the door to the NBA Finals. That's still all on the table, by the way. The Steve Clifford hire, and Steve's going to be on the station, his press conference at 1 p.m. today on this show. Don't forget to listen. That can still happen with Steve Clifford. But the way the Hornets have acted as an organization has not been one with a lot of forethought, with a lot of hope that they're going to get out of their own way. It's no longer okay to be cheap. It's no longer okay to be a better businessman than you are a basketball man. Because finally, the basketball's here. The chance to contend, maybe not this year, but over the next five to ten years, it's there. Not just one trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. If LaMelo continues to grow, if LaMelo becomes an MVP candidate and Miles Bridges takes one more step, that twosome is enough in and of itself to be a consistent playoff team for the next decade. That's enough right there, just how I pitched it. That's before we talk about James Booknight or Kai Jones or Mark Williams or Jalen McDaniels or JT Thor, uh, any of these guys, any of the young guys, even Tara Rozier, who I think is probably capped as a player. If he can just stay healthy, that's a really useful player, player you have. So it's why I get so mad. But I think it's really important to look at the, the key asset. Earlier in the show, we asked you guys, best and worst case scenario with Steve Clifford. And my best is that he's a legitimate, successful bridge quarterback. Or bridge, uh, conflating my topics here today. Bridge coach. That means that he does not stilt or slow the development of all your young players or most of your young players. He adapts to the style of play you want to play while also helping them learn how to be better defensively. And he fully unlocks LaMelo Ball. At some point, if, if, he, if he's here for three years or two years, at some point in that time frame, the Hornets also need to not just make a seven-game playoff series, but threaten to win one. If he's here for two years, it's threatened to win one. If he's here for three years, they better win a playoff series with Steve Clifford. That's a successful bridge coach. Highly successful bridge coach to whoever is going to be your long-term guy to stabilize the organization for the rest of time or for as long as you have LaMelo and hopefully after. But I think it all starts with how they treat Miles Bridges. I do not get Hornets fans. I categorically do not get Hornets fans. And I got pulled into it last night. Guys, don't go on Facebook. Just don't do it. Because last night I was like, uh, there's a Hornets group that I follow. And I love it because it taps me into some of the passion for the Charlotte Hornets in this town. And it's way more, it's way more deep-seated than I think people realize when we think about the Hornets because it's been such a crap show for 20 years since George Shin pulled his godless act of pulling the original Hornets out of this town. But I, I was sucked into this, 
And it was this conversation about, well, how much should we pay Miles Bridges? Hoss, you ain't paying Michael, uh, you ain't paying my, uh, Miles Bridges. Michael Jordan is paying Miles Bridges. And Michael Jordan needs to understand the slippery slope of low-balling Miles Bridges is going, it can be very disastrous for the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not big into the doomsday crap. We, we small markets, we can do that, right? Because there's been crap in the history that makes us worry that there's crap in the future. I'm not, I'm not a fatalist saying, well, if you lose Miles Bridges, this whole thing's going to be, and Miles will be, or Lamella will be gone in five years. I'm not saying that. But it's a real possibility. Lamello has a lot of good reasons for his first two years in the NBA to have faith in the Charlotte Hornets. This offseason can be the beginning of him losing faith. So Brian Windhorst yesterday on NBA TV gave an update on Miles Bridges that I think is interesting, not necessarily cause for doomsday prophecies. Let's take a, a look at Miles Bridges. He's not being offered, from what I am told, a max contract by the Charlotte Hornets right now. So he's going to go out into the marketplace starting on Thursday, Friday, and see if he can get that offer from somewhere else. So we're going to find out. I don't think. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the most likely thing that somebody offers Miles Bridges a max contract. But I think it's a hell of a lot more likely than a lot. A lot of uh, I don't I don't think DeAndre Ayton's probably going to get a max contract because he's a center in an era where the center has been deprioritized. It doesn't matter; he's the third best center, uh, offensive center in the NBA. I I don't see DeAndre Ayton getting max money this year. Miles Bridges makes a hell of a lot more sense to me. He's 23. He's a wing player. He's learned how to create his own shot as well as create shots for others. That was what this year was about. And oh, by the way, he shot 33% from three last year, which is one of his worst seasons yet. Why do I point that out? Because he's actually a good three-point shooter. He just didn't have a good gear last year. He shot 40% the year before. If Miles shoots 40% from three again, is averaging four, five, six threes a game again next year, there's going to be another scoring jump that comes 24, 25 points a game. That's worth a max contract in today's and in, in, in any era of NBA, but it's certainly avail. That's that is just as much worthy of a max contract. Do I think he truly is worth that? I don't. Who the hell knows? What does that mean? Worth a max contract? Don't it, it, like Gordon Hayward has been worth every cent that he's been paid. Thirty million dollars a year. Not a max contract now, but close to the max when he got it. He's been worth every pe uh, every penny that he's been paid when he's been on the court. So if if his if Miles Bridges' stats look like the first year of Gordon Hayward and he plays 70 games a year, is that worth it to you? Michael Jordan has to stop being cheap. He needs to pay or he needs to understand he just has no business being a real NBA owner. Because Mickey Harrison Stop uh, the the Heat owner stops at nothing to win in the NBA. Nothing, not the luxury tax, not this, not that, not anything. That's a first class organization. 
You won't win in the same division as that organization if you're going to be conditionally successful in the NBA. It starts with Miles Bridges. I did want to get to this, though. How does... How good does Miles Bridges have to be to be worth a max contract? In the end, I don't think Miles is going to get it. I think he's going to get something close to it. But I don't think he's going to truly get it. But to me... I don't think it takes a lot. I think if Miles takes one half step forward or one more step full forward, brings back the three-point shooting that he had the first uh, the two years ago, I think he'll be worth it as long as he stays healthy. More importantly, he fits perfectly with LaMelo. Another way, I think it's very unlikely that you pay him the max and you'll regret paying Miles the max. Ellis Williams, Charlotte Observer, Panthers reporter, joins us to ask the all-encompassing question, who starts week one at quarterback for the Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC? Sports Radio 92.7 FNC, welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Charming or shut? Coming up in about 20 minutes, we will separate the wheat from the chaff and the charming from the chotch. Uh, very charming news coming in from uh, the ACC as the ACC just releasing in 2023, the ACC will adopt a 3-5-5 football scheduling model and all 14 schools will compete in one division. Divisions be done in the ACC. So finally, when Clemson goes to face the second best team in the ACC, assuming they get back where they were two years ago. They'll only beat them by three touchdowns as opposed to five touchdowns. Uh, so here's some of the real quick things here. So again, one division, each team will play three primary opponents annually. And there's, we got, we're going to have to debate some of this because I, I don't like this. Uh, this is where a, a, a school that has, or a conference that has a lot of like slappy football programs kind of hurts you a little bit. I'll showcase that in a minute, but so three pro, uh, primary opponents annually for each team, and the other 10 league teams will be played two times during the four-year cycle, once at home and once away. So if you are an NC State fan, your three teams are Clemson, Duke, and North Carolina. North Carolinas are NC State, Virginia, and Duke. Clemson are Florida State, which I love, NC State, which I will tolerate, and Georgia Tech, which I loathe mostly because Georgia Tech hasn't been good for a really long time. Well, Duke fans, you've got North Carolina, NC State, and Wake Forest. Wake Forest fans. I'm just going to go through every team here because I realize how many fans might be listening. Wake Forest fans, the claw, will face Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So that's the latest from the world of college football. Also, if you hear anything in the background, apparently somebody is trying to uh, jackhammer on the building somewhere. So if you hear anything, that's not us. It's not itty-bitty-fitty, uh, getting all worked up behind the board. Something's going on. But we just talked college football. Now we talk the pros with a real pro, a man who knows himself some football, especially Carolina Panther football, Charlotte Observers, Carolina Panthers beat reporter, also our weekly Tuesday at 1120 guest, the great Ellis Williams. What's up, buddy? Yo, man, I, things are well. I'm just kind of enjoying this calm before what is probably a Carolina Panthers quarterback storm. We're getting a couple weeks here of silence, so I've been 
enjoying what is a, a small break, if you will. So have you done like when I when I unplug, like I went on vacation last week. When I unplug, that means I'll even unplug from sports unless it's like the NBA draft. But like for the most part, I didn't watch a lot of baseball, didn't watch the the Stanley Cup finals. I really try. Is that what you did? Have you just been catching up on like uh, the Umbrella Academy and maybe some Obi-Wan? You read my mind. That's exactly where I was going with this. I just finished Obi-Wan. I'm looking forward to Stranger Things uh, Part 2 dropping on July 1. Saw Jurassic World, Dominion, Top Gun, Maverick, and Lightyear all last week. Uh, Besides the NBA draft, like you said, yes, I was uh, relaxing, chilling all cool, and and enjoying some cinema and recent TV, man. What really scares me about Stranger Things is I can never tell whether when they kill more people early in a season – whether that means the end is just going to be total annihilation or whether more people will be spared. Cause like last year, man, they got me at the end of the day. They were just after season two and killing Bob season three, it was like, Hey, what other characters do you love or hate that we can kill right now? I'm not emotionally ready for the final two episodes of the season four. Yeah. They kind of went game of Thrones on us and just said, look, no one's safe. Uh, we'll see how, how this ends. I, news to me, uh, I, they're doing season five supposedly. So really this is going to just keep rolling and rolling and it, you can kind of assume the, the core people are never really going to leave us. Right. I really want season five to be set in like 1991. I don't really know why, but I just feel like a little bit of a time leap would be really good. In the meantime, yeah. Ellis, I will start here. I'm going to start with a question that I asked you about 100 times so far this offseason. So let's make it 101. Who starts week one for the Carolina Panthers at quarterback? Man, and I think depending on when you've asked me, I've changed my answer. Like, I think the, <laughs> the origin of this question, I may have picked Kenny Pickett. You know, and now that's obviously um, far from a possibility. And now we're landing on... You know, if you asked me yesterday, I, I probably would have said Baker Mayfield, but now I'm following uh, tweets. These are live. Uh, Baker's uh, at his youth football camp in Norman, and he's got he's holding a, a little makeshift press conference, and he's saying that if the Browns were to reach out to reconcile, uh, he'd perhaps be open to uh, playing for them again. This is just this this drama keeps unfolding, and that's kind of why I came on here. So the, a calm before a Panthers storm. Um, because, you know, now if we're going to get a new cycle of uh, is Baker willing to go back to Cleveland, which from my reporting and my understanding, I did not think was a possibility at all. So this just keeps changing, keeps developing. And so perhaps next week I say Jimmy Garoppolo, but I really can't argue out of his injury history. And so does that bring us back to Sam Darnold, man? Because I, I, it won't be Matt Corral, but I could be wrong there, too. I feel like the Panthers, with their inaction at at quarterback, have basically forced all of us to resort to galaxy braining. Right. And you don't feel sure about about any of it. You can talk me into any of these realities. They they all sound uh, like the best-case scenario, but external factors might complicate this yet again. So I, I think this is interesting, and, and you did come from Cleveland. You were at cleveland.com before you came down here. And I, I, I throw that out for this next question. Today is also the beginning of the Deshaun Watson uh, hearing with the NFL, the NFL Players Association, trying to figure out what punishment Deshaun Watson will get. Is 
Do you think that the result of that could be tied to Baker Mayfield's availability and potentially Baker Mayfield's uh, ending up in, in Carolina? At first, I thought that Cleveland's slow playing this had to do with Deshaun Watson's looming suspension. Like They just wanted clarity on how many games before dealing Baker. But now that there's really been, at least from in the public domain, momentum built on the side that Deshaun is going to get slapped with a year suspension, or at least a, an indefinite suspension, which would be at least a year away from the game, that opens the door to perhaps Baker Mayfield's best situation or scenario is playing in Cleveland. But I didn't think that was, was possible just from a pride standpoint. Like I get when people say, well, you know, it's your employer, and we all go to work uh, upset or mad about something. Shake it off. You know, I, I don't like when we compare the nine to fives to what these athletes do. You know, you have to go out there and play a game of football and, and dedicate yourself to a, ten other individuals uh, in, with your safety on the line. And there's just more that goes into it than than, uh, than uh, the, the workplace comparison. So I just thought, from that standpoint, that the. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns. There's no way that this, they can reconcile. But now these tweets are coming out of Norman, and I'm I'm back to square one. Perhaps that again that could be Baker's best spot. So the long that's a long way of saying yes. I do think that the Browns are waiting for this Deshaun Watson domino to fall to then decide what to do on Baker Mayfield. Because at the end of the day, they probably don't care all that much about you know four, that four to five million dollar difference between Carolina. And then right now, this has probably just been a, a decoy to, to wait out the ruling on Deshaun Watson, which uh, now seems like could be as much as a year. And now perhaps Baker's back in Cleveland anyway. Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer, our regular Tuesday at 1120 guest on the guest line here with Nick Wilson on the Nick Wilson Show, talking about the uh, state of the Carolina Panthers. So... We are in the offseason, and I'm about to give you a kind of question that we ask in the offseason, looking ahead, looking at this roster, guys that they brought in over the last three years. If I asked you to name one or two under-the-radar guys that you think are going to take a step or be more impactful than maybe we think going into this year, what what names would you pull out of the hat? Man, that, that's a fun question. I I really think... Robbie Anderson is going to bounce back and have a nice year. And I, I preface it with saying if he comes into camp and, and has injury issues and, and a hip and a hammy and has early ailments that would then allow us to infer he wasn't really taking care of his body throughout the offseason, then I, I'm allowed to revoke this. But I, I think Robbie Anderson has a chance to come into a Ben McAdoo system uh really capitalize on some yak opportunities. He'll always be a guy who's able to, to win deep and, and on double moves. He's going to get plenty of single coverage. Uh, you know, he, he it, it wasn't the way defenses were playing him last year. It was more uh, just, just system and not having uh, any timing with, with either of the quarterbacks. So w- when I'm looking at the offense, I think Robbie Anderson has a chance to bounce back and remind people what he's capable of. And then this is this one is more obvious, but I am just really excited to see what J.C. Horn does uh, working with Steve Wilkes now, the defensive back coach. Um, you know, in his second year, though he he missed uh, you know all but three games a year ago, but just from a, another year older, right? That that natural uh, bulk you put on 
the more savvy you get with age. He, he admitted he still kind of does feel like a rookie, but from what I've heard from inside that building, they've got every hope that he is a, going to be a number one lockdown corner. And when I talk to people in that building, and I, I remind them that I came in in the middle of last year and never got a chance to even see JC practice. They just go, oh, man, you, you wait till you see this guy when he's on the field. He's a complete dog. He's a competitor. He's fierce. He's an alpha. Everything you want to hear about the, the sicko world that is a number one cornerback, right? So I'm really excited to see JC. And then Assuming Robbie comes in healthy and is, and, and is taking care of his body these five weeks leading up to camp, uh, I, I think he could be a really underrated part of this offense. I wish teams would tell us more who the betas were, right? <laughs> like, if you're going to tell us who the alphas were, <laughs> like, let me tell you, uh, our number three corner could be a number two, but he's a bit of a beta, but we still love him. Uh, follow this man on Twitter at Book of Ellis. Ellis, you're the best, buddy. Appreciate it. And again, uh, Text me what you think of the the uh, the Stranger Things episode as soon as you watch them, so we can have that dialogue going. Yeah, man, we'll we'll uh, bring it on air next time as well, and I'll get you, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks as always. If there's not a Baker Mayfield trade, that's a hundred percent what we're going to be talking about for ten minutes next week. <laughs> Ellis Williams there on the uh, the guest line, a real gentleman, and not just that, crazy talented to boot. And so he brought something on air that I hadn't heard or seen. There is a uh, young man called Kerry Murdoch. I have no idea if this guy is real, but he is a part of the morning animals on the station in Norman. He also is a publisher at the Sooner Scoop, which is a real thing. It's not an ice cream joint. It's a, uh, a Oklahoma uh, fan site. And he tweeted out that he asked Baker Mayfield if there was any chance for a reconciliation with the Browns if they were without their quarterback this season. And he said the Browns would have to reach out to start that process. Mayfield said he has moved on. I said this when we talked about the Deshaun Watson hearing. If there's 1% chance Baker Mayfield would be back in Cleveland. That only 1% chance is if Deshaun Watson is suspended for 17 games or more, and that sticks. But for it to happen... The Cleveland Browns have to offer something to Baker Mayfield, whether that's financially, whether that is uh, something like, hey, a guarantee that they're not going to franchise tag him, whether that is more progressive commercials, more progressive commercials. Uh, listen, a public apology. Something needs to happen because the Browns were the one who went very unprofessional with how they handled Baker Mayfield in their pursuit of Deshaun Watson. This would just complete the Panthers' inability to get a quarterback, right? I would melt down. I would melt down. Because like when I because I saw that report when you when Ellis first came on, but I was like, nah, this kind of this this guy seems fake. And then he read the tweet word for word. And it's just like if if you're if you're the Panthers. And if you're a Panther fan and now you can't get Baker and now you have to go get Jimmy G. I mean, like, what do you do? I would just run it back with Sam even more. So I, Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, but the gap, you and I actually talked about this. So I, you said this first, but I agree with it. The gap between Jimmy and Sam is pretty slim, different quarterbacks, but similar Similar upsides. Yeah, like, and, like like their overall talent. Yes. The gap between Sam and Baker is a hell of a lot more than people really realize here. People who haven't watched him the way I've watched him. Dan Snyder leads off Charming or Chach on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. <laughs> 
Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Coming up in about 40 minutes, Scott Fowler is going to join us of The Observer. We'll talk about the Steve Clifford hire. Oh, by the way, Steve Clifford will be on this station. 1 p.m. today, his introductory press conference. We're also going to have him. You're going to hear him uh, quite a bit over the next 24 hours. I believe he's on KB's show today. And then I believe today's Tuesday. I believe he's also going to be on with uh, the morning show tomorrow. So plenty of Steve Clifford coming your way. All three shows on Sports Radio FNZ. In the meantime, it is time to separate the wheat from the chaff. The charming from the chotch. Charming? Good. Chotch? Bad. Uh, Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder, itty bitty fitty, apparently has been unable, or rather, Congress has been able, <laughs> unable to get in touch with Dan Snyder. So I will ask you, because obviously they want to talk with him about, you know, being an awful person and an awful owner. Uh, Dan Snyder going on the lam. Charming or chotch? Dan Snyder himself, chotch. His actions the last week, I find it rather charming. He's a billionaire. He can do whatever he wants, and he's literally doing whatever he wants. This is some Wolf of Wall Street stuff, and I do love that movie. But I love that movie because at the end of it, Jordan Pelf uh, Belfort pays for his very various crimes. Dan Snyder is the biggest chotch in the history of chotches. I loathe Dan Snyder because he makes a mockery of the NFL and of himself and of owning teams. However... Dan Snyder going on the lam from Congress is objectively hilarious. If this was he if he was facing legal charges and he was on the lam from the FBI, not as funny. Because then that that's that's it. But Congress, what's Congress gonna do to Dan Snyder? They're gonna they gonna slap him on the wrist? They they're gonna they're gonna pat his fanny a little bit? Congress sucks. Politicians suck. This is all political grandstanding. So hey guys, look what we're doing over here. We're interrogating the commanders. You're not going to do a damn thing about it. So, personally, him going on the lam and snubbing his nose at Congress is objectively hilarious, which means it is, in fact, charming. Itty bitty fitty, what else do we have here, buddy? Um, okay, let's let's go back to yesterday's show really, really quick here. And you admitted that you got engaged to your lovely wife on Christmas morning, right? Yes, sir. So, holiday engagements... Uh, how far are we going down? Like, if it's Arbor Day, I'm not... Uh, that's chalk. I said holiday, not made-up days. Okay, all ho all days are made-up days, if we're being fair. The whole calendar is made up. So, like, I would constitute that being New Year's. Okay. Easter. Uh, Fourth of people July. Get, people get engaged hey, on Easter? Hey, some people celebrate the resurrection of our of our he Lord in different risen. ways. He is risen. And Let's so get married. A relationship. <laughs> be the worst Instagram post in the history. <laughs> All right. So there is one. I, I think New Year's is overdone. New Year's, there's just people try to uh, put this symbolism towards New Year's that is just infuriating to me. And New Year, new me. Not really. It's just another day. Now, Christmas, the, you know, Christmas, especially if you are a Christian, I grew up a Christian. Uh, that sounded weird. I am a Christian. <laughs> I know I said <laughs> I was born a Christian, and now, sir, uh, I'm an idiot. I uh, know. So, 
If you're a Christian, Christmas makes a lot of sense to me. Thanksgiving is a... But Thanksgiving is family. Family sitting around the dinner table. That makes sense. Outside of those three holidays, like maybe Memorial Day or Fourth of July, just because everybody's you're my firework. Want to marry me? They're all chotch. That, that was chotch. Because they're all chotch. Why is chotch? First off, I expected more out of you, which is probably the, the first mistake I made, expecting more out of you. But I just feel like it's an easy way out to work the proposal, right? Especially on working, Christmas. What is working the proposal? Okay, because I mean, like, you got to lead up to it. So like, what, what in, in your definition, what is an acceptable uh, engagement? Like what day of the week, what time, Tuesday, what time of the year? Tuesday, 5 o'clock. Like like the, Tuesday and five o'clock. I'm going like full Dwight Schrute. Like so why not why not Saturday at noon, where you know other family members might be able to be there. This is why you're not married or engaged and have not been either married <laughs> or engaged and probably never will be. Uh, Stanford P on the Garage Door Guru text line saying live concert scheduled during the week. He's saying he's missing Motley Crue tonight because he's an adult. Uh, live concerts during the week, very chotch. I have tickets to the Black Keys. It's a Tuesday night in late July. I'm infuriated that I have to stay up until 11 or 12 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night in July because the Black Keys couldn't do the proper thing and come on a Friday or Saturday night to the Queen City. It's only chotch because I'm not going. My cousins that I live with, they're going. They're going I, to Motley Crue? And I didn't get invited. So and, therefore, as we know, everything is all about you. It may, therefore, I may, it, it, it's made chotch. All right, guys, this is Charming or Chotch. Send him in, 704-570-9610. Give us anything. We'll tell you whether it's Charming or Chotch. Uh, Carolina Dave saying low country boil as a 4th of July meal instead of burgers and hot dogs. I, listen, as long as you're celebrating, they're very, I'm not a dude that wraps himself in the American flag, and I think it's pretty disgusting when people do it. But there's one day a year or one weekend a year I will absolutely celebrate the greatness, the, what I, the greater ideals of America, right? And Memorial Day is different. Uh, Veterans Day are different. Those are to celebrate soldiers both that have lived and died. I wanted to make sure I clarify that because I didn't want to sound like I was snubbing those days. But Fourth of July, however you get down on Fourth of July. I rock with nah, it. Nah, it's, it's got to be burgers and dogs. No, it doesn't. That's America. No, no. With, with, America with, with, is freedom with, of choice, you jack. No, it's not. Read the friggin' Constitution. No, no, did you, no. I will fight you on Mitt in Moorhead over burgers and dogs. I will eat burgers and dogs on, on 4th of July. But we separated from those god-awful Brits. Just kidding, especially if Jessica Charman's listening because she scares me. I, we separated from those god-awful... We threw tea in a harbor, so if you wanted Low Country Boil as a 4th of July meal, 250 years later, you could do it, and old Britty Poo Poo couldn't tell you otherwise. No, America is July 4th, fireworks, burgers, hot dogs, and John Mellencamp's Little Pink Houses in the background. That's America, baby. Not no Low Country Broil. What are we doing? Real Tar Heel saying, snoring in bed. Chotch. Well, seeing as how uh, I was in bed, there was a door and a wall separating us, and Hacksaw's snoring and, and Jimmy legging woke me up. I'm going to go ahead and say that's Chotch. As somebody who has, also Steve from Salisbury saying, hot dogs are German. Ah, 
what, what else, Germany? You want to? You want any Reichs you'd like to celebrate on Fourth of July? <laughs> no. Anything else? Maybe maybe get some Bavarian beer, Bavarian cream-filled stuff. No. Any salutes you want to throw up on Fourth of July? Oh no? man. Why is why is anybody fitting goose stepping on the beach? Because <laughs> well, he's an American, damn it. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> fitting? What do you have? Um, oh, NASCAR Brad sitting this one in. Um, people shooting off their fireworks on Saturday or Sunday, with the fourth being on Monday. Charming or chach? It is charming. It is a display of patriotism. I don't know why it is. Hey guys, we're 257 years old as a nation. Let's go ahead and blow some. Oh, <laughs> I don't really get it, but I like it. So, Annie, you have a you have a three day window on either side of Fourth of July where it is charming to put off those fireworks without saying it's about Fourth of July. If I hear on July first, if I hear a firework, oh, somebody's celebrating the Fourth. July seventh, oh, somebody's celebrating the Fourth. July eighth, go f yourself. <laughs> it's kind of like the Christmas trees. Remember, like we we established the deadlines. They can't go up until after Thanksgiving, and they better be gone by New Year's. Ooh. Uh, the bagel guy saying, charming or chotch, smokes first cheat meal, cracker barrel. Uh, I'm going to step into a web here because I don't know if that's what it is. Chotch. Whoa. Cr- cracker barrel's fine. It's not the cheat meal. All right. I'll go basante. I will go Cabo fish taco on a cheat meal, especially if it's the first cheat meal in forever. There's a, I'll go Bob Evans before I go on cheat meal. Oh, oh just go. Barrel. No, no. Get, get off the air. I don't know. Bob <laughs> Evans is terrible. <laughs> What? Yeah, Bob Evans sucks. Oh, oh, I get it. You lost your palate in the war. I'd rather... Right? <laughs> Somebody came along, and they didn't take your tongue or your jaw, but they took your palate. You have the palate of a five-year-old, and you're going to tell me about Bob Evans. Would you rather have Bob I Evans than Waffle Bob. House? Yes. Uh, uh, I, I I am Bob I Evans. Hop? Yes. I'd rather have the freaking Huddle House than Bob Evans. And we, Huddle House... We get it. It's terrible. You have no taste in food. That's what you just told America. Uh, Cowboy Squirt saying sundresses and a low country boil. Charming. Sundresses, ladies, let me just tell you. Sundresses are amazing. It's my favorite thing about summer. Well, that that made me sound like a pervert. What I meant to say was... I just, I, the sundresses to me, I, just, I think women just look beautiful and elegant in sundresses. I think sundresses are the best thing. Let me tell you, my cousin showed up to the uh, family cookout in a sundress. Where's this going? Did you think, uh, you think floundered anything about it? Okay, I didn't know if you were about to be like, and I, I had some impure thoughts. I didn't know where you were going with Well, that. you can probably interpret that those happen. Then we sit in the car and he goes, you know what? He tells me she's looking really good. Couldn't tell her she was looking really good. In the sundress. Matt and Gibro, Freddie Freeman crying. The first day was very charming. I felt it in in my heart. The the two days afterwards, bro, gonna need you to get some emotional support, maybe see a therapist, and go ahead and hit the ball like you're supposed to. <laughs> gonna need you to shut the hell up and play baseball. All right? Uh we got a lot more on this. Continue to send them in. 704-570-9610 on the Garage Door Guru text line. It is charming or chach. However, when we come back, the update that could shake up the Carolina Panthers quarterback situation. Not great, Bob. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.